Hello, everyone. So glad to have you with us. We're so grateful for technology and this opportunity to continue our worship together, um, whether it's in our living rooms, uh, on the podcast, if you're listening. It's just a, a wonderful, wonderful blessing that we have that we can gather and worship for this service. So I pray that the service has been a blessing to you. Um, I am so grateful for these opportunities to worship. And, and my prayer is that as we put these services together, as we all worship together, that it's a, it's a help and a blessing, but also a chance to grow together. This uh, day, we're going to be continuing our, our sermon series, our current series about following the commands of Christ. Again, we've based these commands of Christ on Jesus being our Lord, Jesus being the one who not only came to this earth and, and showed us how to live and love to please God, but Jesus being the one who died and Jesus being the one who was resurrected the one who lives and, and is now preparing heaven for us. He is the one we follow. So it's to Jesus we turn for life. It's to Jesus we turn for examples of how to follow, lessons for, for how to follow. It is Jesus who is our source. So this entire series is predicated on us saying, what does Jesus ask of us? Do we know it? And are we willing to live and do it? Now, we've covered a lot of ground uh, last several weeks. I think it's almost a couple months now. And some of the commands we've looked at, if you have a chance to look at our old videos or check out the old podcast, we've talked about some of these commands of Christ. Repent, follow me, be salt and light, love your neighbor, go and make disciples, the Great Commission, be graceful, love your enemies, uh, live for treasures in heaven. And this morning, we're going to talk about um, one that, that I, I personally find the most challenging one, or one of the most challenging ones, and that's simply Jesus' commands for us to not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry, says Jesus. And I think what's, what makes it so challenging for me when I think about not worrying is that I come from a long line of warriors and warriors. I come from a long line of warriors, you know, fighters, people who've overcome life's challenges and obstacles, people who've overcome trauma and grief, people who've overcome all the hard things that this life has to throw for them, and people who've triumphed. So I come from this line of warriors, but this line of warriors is also a line of, of warriors, because the, that trauma, that grief, those challenges and obstacles, they've left consequences, they've left scars, they, they've left wounds, and, and these situations they've gone through has led them to worry. So it's not just the warriors that overcome, but it's the warriors who survive. And ever since I was a kid, I've seen what worry looks like in these warriors around me. And when I looked at them, I, I, I realized that, that worry is really my arch nemesis. Worry is my arch nemesis. And since this is my story, I decided to make myself the hero. And I decided I'm a hero who's going to defeat worry. Because I want to be the warrior who overcome, not the warrior who's overcome. So one of the things I decided is that, you know what, I just won't do it. I just will not worry. And I know what you're saying. You're saying there's like, well, that's impossible. Well, let me tell you something. Your mind's a powerful thing. And I just decided ever since I was young, I'm just not going to do it. You know, and there's, there's a couple times in life I've done this. I remember... When I was a teenager uh, years ago, you know, I was a teenager, I was working at summer camp and, and one of my friends knew that I was just, you know, horribly ticklish, you know, like, I don't know what was wrong with me, but I was just horribly ticklish and, 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 and he, he knew this, right? And, and so we were in the break room, we're working summer camp and in our break room and I was sitting there eating my cookies and milk, you know, listening to my disc man and just hanging out, you know? Um, and as I went to drink my milk, my, my friend had the genius idea of I'm going to tickle him, right? 
And, and as he started tickling me, I started laughing so hard that obviously you know what happens next, right? The milk snorts all over the table, all over the room, all over me. And I remember, you know, just being horrified at all this situation of this milk all in front of me. I remember thinking to myself, not only is this embarrassing, but why am I ticklish? And I decided right then and there, I will not be ticklish anymore. And guess what? Since then, I've never been ticklish. Your mind can do some powerful things. And, and for worry, that's what I said. I'm just not going to do it. But also, I think with worry, you know, it also comes from lessons I've learned. You know, ever since I was a kid, I learned that the world is not as it should be. I learned that, you know, sometimes our, our plans are not, not always going to work out. That sometimes life is going to be hard and, and situations are going to be harder than you can ever imagine. You know, I was thinking this week how when I was five years old, I took a nap with my grandfather and I woke up and he didn't. And I had to go and tell my family, I think grandpa is gone. I remember when I was seven years old and, and I had to leave the country I was born in at six and, and be a refugee and an immigrant. And I remember at seven years old having to tell my grandmother, I think my dad is going to die. And I remember at nine years old, having to leave, you know, Africa. And, and, and even though I had been a refugee and immigrant, I was still home in my homeland. And I remember having to be nine years old and to pack a little duffel bag, maybe this big, uh, pack the closest thing I could find to a winter coat in Abidjan and, and get on a plane by myself at nine years old to fly to America. I remember these lessons that teaching me that, you know, life may not be as I planned. Situations may come and go that I didn't experience or or I didn't know what's coming, and, and life might be hard. But I was reminded through this all that when I'm afraid, I can put my trust in God because God is my refuge and strength, my ever-present help in time of trouble. God is my shepherd, the one who provides and protects and is always going to be there for me. So how I decided to worry is I'm just not going to do it, but I'm also going to rely on God and these lessons he's taught me because if God is in control— if God's got me, I will be okay. But the problem is, worry is a tireless and relentless foe. It can come to us in a very, very natural way. And none of us are really immune because worry can come up with a thought that goes in our mind that just won't let us go and it just swallows us up. Or a situation that we're in now or, or a situation that was unseen that we didn't expect that would swallow us up. Or an experience that we've gone through which then paralyzes us in the present and paralyzes us in the future. Or maybe a situation we're in right now and worry shows up in our fears our fear of the unknown, our fear of being vulnerable, our fear of being made vulnerable, our fear of being out of control or having things out of our control. Worry is tireless and relentless and very, very natural and none of us are immune. Yet Jesus still commands us all not to worry. Do not worry, says Jesus. Do not worry, commands Jesus. Do not worry, Jesus says to us. Let's pray. Father and God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that when you're God in control, we can rely on you. We thank you that with God having us and holding us, we can be secure. We thank you, Lord, that we can cast our cares upon you for you care for us. We thank you that we can depend and rely on you because there's nothing we go through that you haven't seen, that you haven't overcome, that you haven't brought your people through. 
So Lord, help us not to worry. Teach us to trust you always. In your holy and precious name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'll be reading verses 25 to 34. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or sow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What I love about Matthew 6 is not just that it's the heart or in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. What I love about Matthew 6 is that Jesus, at least as I've read it ever since I was a kid and even now, it just seems very, very straightforward to me. Until you get to this last section, right? It seems straightforward. Jesus in the beginning talks about us doing good, not to please ourselves, not to please others, but to please God. That fundamentally we are to live and love and to do right, not to please ourselves, not to please others, but to please God. We're told to pray, not just because it's important, but because God wants to communicate with us. God wants to have a conversation to us. God doesn't just want to hear from us. He wants to speak to us. Spirit wants to, to humble us and, and to slow us down so that God can communicate with us clearly. Even in fasting, when Jesus talks about fasting, he says, I don't want you to fast or, or take on this spiritual discipline so that you can please others or you can please yourself or you can feel self-righteous or you can feel better than others. I want you to do it to please God. And even last week when we talked about what? Live to store treasures in heaven. Everything seems straightforward. And then you get to this section and Jesus is like, do not worry. And you're just like, okay, just trust God. And you're like, but Jesus, worry. How do I not worry? Worry is natural like we've talked about. None of us are immune from worry. We worry because our thoughts can, can envelop us and swallow us up. We worry because of the situations we're in. We worry because of the situations that were unseen that we're now in. We worry because of the experiences we're in, the experiences we go through, what we've suffered or the consequences and the scars from that suffering. We worry because we don't have control. We worry because it's, it's, it's our fears and our vulnerabilities are unmasked. Jesus, how can you tell us not to worry? Yet, Jesus says, do not worry. Just trust God. Just keep trusting God. Just commit to trusting God. Do not worry, says Jesus. 
impossible, says us. It's almost like Jesus hasn't lived in 2020. It's almost like Jesus, don't you know we've gone through a decade in these last 10 months? It's like, Jesus, don't you know we have an election on Tuesday that's going to change everything? Or, or I don't know, Jesus, don't you know what we're going through right now in this situation? Yet Jesus still says to us, do not worry. The worry here that Jesus uses in the Greek it's a word actually pronounced marinao. Marinao is, isn't just, you know, worry, I think, as we, it can be of great many things to us. Even as I talked about this morning, it could be a, a thought or situations or experiences that we're going through. But marinao is, is a deep, deep worry. In fact, first of all, marinao is not let nothing affect you. Jesus isn't saying that, you know what, I want everything to roll off your back, right? I want everything to roll off your back. And, and in fact, if you, and there's people who teach this sometimes, right? If you are good, strong Christians, if you are a good, believing Christian, you won't worry about anything. Just let it roll off your back. That's not what Jesus is saying. Marinawo is not let nothing affect you. Marinawo is not simply, you know, don't have deep concerns about things. Don't be deeply concerned about the world not as it should be. Don't be deeply concerned about your future. Don't be deeply concerned about your health, your present, your finances. It's not do not have deep concerns. No. Marinawo is do not be so anxious that these deep concerns, these things that trouble you, they paralyze you. Do not be so deeply concerned that, that these things that trouble, whether it's health or finance or future or, or not having control or, or not knowing what's going on, do not let these things so deeply trouble you that you're paralyzed, that you're so anxious to secure your needs that it takes your eyes off of Jesus, that it takes your eyes off of God. Do not be so anxious and, and paralyzed by worry. You stop looking up and you only look down. That the problems that you go through are become bigger than the promise maker and the promise keeper. Do not become so paralyzed and anxious with worry that your troubles seem bigger than the way maker. That's the worry that Jesus is talking about. And that's what he's commanding us not to have, not to worry. No, Mary now. The Marinaro command is given to disciples. And I think that's very, very important. Jesus isn't giving this command to everyone. He's only giving it to those of us who've chosen to follow him. To those of us who says, he is my Lord and Savior. I submit to him. I will follow him. These are commands that he gives to his disciples. And the reason he gives these commands specifically to his disciples because they are the ones who have seen God's promises in their lives and, and given God credit for it. They are the ones who've seen God move. They are the ones who've seen God work. They're the ones who are seeing God work. They're the ones who will keep seeing God work. And that's why Jesus is saying, I am calling you not to worry, not to be so paralyzed, not to take your eyes off of me, not to let your problems be bigger than the promise keeper, your troubles be bigger than the way maker. Do not worry. But Jesus is also practically speaking to not the poorest of his disciples here. You know, Jesus isn't insensitive. Jesus isn't going to a people who are worried about the next meal and saying, don't worry, the food's just going to come. Jesus is basically speaking, I think, you know, there's a lot of times you read in the scripture, you're like, I don't know if this is culturally speaking to us. This is culturally speaking to us because at least for most of us here in North America, we don't worry about our next meal. We don't worry about where the water's going to come from. We may have other worries 
reason, we may not know what the, the third meal's coming from, but most of us kind of are okay. And I think that's the group he's speaking to. Those who've seen God work, those who believe God is working, those who believe God will work, but also those who, for the most part, God has shown up time and time again. But Jesus is also not here calling us to carelessness, right? So it's not just, you know, let nothing affect you or don't have deep concerns. Or, you know, Jesus isn't calling us to be careless. There's a lot of people who read this and they're like, you know, God calls us not to worry. So, so you know, God's got me. And we forget that Satan tried the same thing on Jesus. He said, you know, if God's got you, throw yourself off this building. And I think there's a lot of us who read this passage wrong and will say, like in this current pandemic, there's so many of us who call ourselves Christians and followers of Jesus who will say, you know what? I don't need to wear a mask. Why? Because God's got me. That's not what Jesus means by do not worry. Jesus isn't calling you to be careless. Jesus isn't calling you to be, you know, unloving of your neighbor or even yourself. Jesus isn't calling you to say, because you say my name, you do whatever you want. That's not the heart of what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is calling us back to God and saying, no matter what you go through, I need you to trust God. No matter what you're facing, I need you to know that God is in control. No matter where you are, I need you to know that you're safe in your father's hands. No matter what this world throws at you, I need to know you are going to be okay because the psalmists teach us and they sing to us when they said, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. But I don't know where to go. God is my refuge and strength, my ever-present help in time of trouble. No matter what's going on, God is my shepherd, the one through whom I will lack nothing. And it's with this understanding we can go into this passage where Jesus begins by telling them, don't worry about stuff that will come and go. Trust God. God provides the breath in your lungs. God provides your basic needs, your food, your shelter, the water that you drink, the clothes on your back. God provides. Trust God because God provides what's best for you. God will work all things together for your good. God will never leave you or forsake you. Trust God because he provides. And then Jesus goes to the natural world all around them. He says, think about this for a second. The birds don't worry about God's provision. You know, a couple of years ago, we moved. It was only a half a mile, I think, um, from our old house. And, and it's not necessarily, you know, it's still in the city. Um, but, but we moved from a little bit more of a hustle-bustle neighborhood to just a quieter neighborhood. And I remember the first night in our house, you know, I heard these weird noises. And I felt like, you know, my wife had forcibly moved me into the country, even though, again, it was a half a mile from the old house. But I heard all these noises. And I didn't know what they were. And she's like, you mean cicadas? I was like, ooh, what is cicada? You know, what is that noise all around me? But the other blessing after I got over the cicadas, after I stopped worrying about them, if you will, was, you know, in our backyard, there's a little bit more greenery than we had before. And, and between us and our neighbor, we have these, you know, feeding things um, for the birds, you know. And, and one of the most beautiful things, maybe one of the most relaxing things is if you go to our window, if you sit in our backyard, you can see the birds fly over to the bird feeder and you can see them eat. And, and this week, you know, I was in a, a prayer meeting and someone said, hey, I want you to go and spend some time in nature and just see what you see. 
And I remember going, you know, just looking through my back window and, and seeing the birds just fly in all their glory and, and go and get their food and, and then fly off again. And I was reminded of this passage that if God provides for the birds, God will provide for you. God created them, yes. God provides for them, yes. But God cares more about you than those birds. And God will take care of you too. Because worrying won't solve anything. Now, I shared in a blog this week about uh, last month when I went to the doctor's office and my doctor was, ser- was concerned about me having really, really high blood pressure. And I remember like, having this you know, back and forth because I'm like, don't worry, I'm not supposed to worry. I remember this sermon that Pastor Woody preached years ago where he says, you know what? We need to wait to worry. And part of the waiting to worry is what? Trusting God right now. And I remember in that situation realizing that, one, I need to listen to my doctor, yes. But two, I also need to marry listening to my doctor by not letting my thoughts overwhelm me, not letting the situation take my mind or my eyes off of Jesus, and not letting myself be so paralyzed about what's going on, but to stop and realize that God's in control, that God's got me, that I will be okay. Worrying won't solve anything. Jesus says it won't add an hour to your life. Some translations, you know, for those of us, or those not, not us, I, I think I'm average height, but those of us who are vertically challenged, you know, the, the translation says it won't add a, an inch to your height. The point here is that it doesn't solve anything. But I think even greater than the worry Jesus is talking about, the paralyzing worry, the one that takes your eyes off of Jesus, the one that literally um, paralyzes you is that it's not only unhealthy, but it's destructive. This kind of worry is the one that leads to panic. This kind of worry is the one that sees threats all around us. This kind of worry is the one that swallows us up. This kind of worry is the one that debilitates us, that that destroys us eventually. This kind of worry is what we need to guard against and what we need God's help to guard against. It's this kind of worry that can only be defeated by Jesus himself, by trusting in God, by remembering what God has done, by remembering that God is in control, that God is holding you, and that you are going to be okay. God will take care of you. The flowers, they don't worry. They're taken care of, and you will be too. And some people think the flowers that Jesus were talking about were uh, anemones, which I don't know what they were until I Googled them. But there were these purple flowers that were beautiful, and Solomon was maybe Israel's richest and and most grandeur, you know, the, the biggest of their kings, right? The most famous and royal of their kings. And Jesus is saying, man, those purple flowers are more amazing and beautiful than Solomon. Solomon ever was. And even he can't match God's beauty in nature. And But here's the thing. Those same flowers would wither every year. And it's this reminder not just of life that comes and goes, but this reminder that if those flowers, which are beautiful, are provided by God, how much more will God provide for you? If those flowers, which are beautiful and then wither away, how much more will you who's living and breathing, God who God loves and God died for, how much more will God provide for you? Because people that marry now don't trust God fully. And that's the heart of what Jesus is getting here. If your worry is taking your eyes off of me, you're not trusting me fully. 
If your worry is paralyzing you, you're not trusting me fully. If your worry is making your problem bigger than me, the promise keeper, you're not trusting me fully. If your worry is making your troubles greater than me, the way maker, you're not trusting me fully. Worry is our disease. It's part of our human condition. But praise God for Jesus, because Christ is the cure. And the cure comes at the end of this verse, when Jesus, at the end of this passage, when Jesus says, you know what? The cure is Christ living inside of us and teaching us how to live for the kingdom. The cure is seeking and putting God first always. The cure is living for God's kingdom. The cure is knowing the full story of God's kingdom. That yes, it's Jesus who created you, but it's also Jesus who left heaven for you. It's also Jesus who lived to show you how to live and follow God. It's Jesus who went to Calvary's tree for you. It's Jesus who died and was raised again from the dead as Jesus who now lives for you mediating before you before the father on your behalf it's Jesus who's preparing heaven for you it's Jesus who's gifted you the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you it's Jesus who's gifted you the church and the body of Christ all around you it's Jesus who's wrapping his arms around you even right now so seek first his kingdom always and focus on his righteousness and we make that a lot of times by legalism But here's a simple way to understand what God means when Jesus has righteousness here. He means, I need you to live like me. I need you to love like me. Because if you live and love like me, that is my righteousness. I need you to take care of what's in front of you. To focus on what's in front of your plate. There's a lot in the future we don't know. But praise God who's already there in the future and who holds our future. So the call for us now is to trust God and to trust wherever he's placed us, whatever we're in, that God is being faithful now. The call for all of us is not to worry, but to trust God. Well, how do we do that? You know, I don't think this is going to be perfect for everyone. I think most of you are, are way smarter than I ever will be. So you'll answer this question for yourself in many different ways, right? How can I trust God more? How can I stop worrying and trust God? You know, you can do that work and figure out how it works for you. But these are four things that I think that might help somebody. You don't have to do all four of them, but I think any of them could be really, really helpful. The first one is for the next week. I want you to pledge to spend 15 minutes outside. I don't care how cold it is. I don't care how much rainy it is. I want you to spend 15 minutes outside. I want you to try to find a spot that you can observe, not the concrete jungle, but trees and nature and greenery. I just want you to spend 15 minutes looking around at nature and then asking yourself, where is God's provision here? How does God provide for the trees, the birds, the squirrels? How does God provide for the greenery that I see? How is God providing for me? Another way I think you can do this is to even right now, think about that one thing that keeps paralyzing you. And you know what it is. Think about that one thing that debilitates you, that is destroying you. And I need you right now, whether it's on a piece of paper or quietly in your heart, I need you to give that thing over to God and say, God, you know what it is, but still I'm offering it up to you because I can't carry it any longer. I don't want to carry it any longer. I need you to physically give that over to God because if we cast all our cares upon 
upon him, we know that he cares for us. And for those of us who that might seem too intangible or that might seem, you know, I don't know if my message will really get there. Trust me, it'll get there. But if you're not sure to really get there, God has also blessed you with the body of Christ, with the community of faith, with people who love you. I need you to give that thing over to God, but I also need you to pledge to give it over to someone else. And what I mean by that is to just share them what you're struggling with, what this worry is, what's debilitating and and destroying and paralyzing you. Give it to them because scripture promised us that we can cast our cares upon each other. We can carry each other's burdens. And yes, that person physically that loves you will be able to not only pray for you, but help take away some of that burden that you're carrying all by yourself. The third thing you can do is to seriously just spend time remembering God's faithfulness. And you can answer it any which way. You can start by saying, how has God been faithful to me today? How has God been faithful to me this week? How has God been faithful to me this month, this year, over the course of my life? How has God been faithful to me? And then start writing them down. You know, we have someone in our church who has a journal of writing about God's faithfulness and God's blessings. And I think she's up to like 8,000, I think I once heard her say. Now, I don't know if you'll get up to 8,000. Maybe you'll get up to 800. Maybe you'll get up to 80. Maybe you'll get up to 8. Maybe you'll get up to 1. But start there. Start making note of God's faithfulness and start writing them out. Because when the worry comes, you can pick up that notebook and start reading and let God speak to you how he's worked before. And the last one is something I said earlier today. It's something a mentor told me years ago. Be faithful where God has you. Be faithful to what's in front of you. Be faithful to who's in front of you. Be faithful to what's on your plate. What does that look like? What does it look like to be faithful to what God's gifted you, to be faithful to the people God has sent your way, to be faithful to what God has called you to do. Do not worry, for worry destroys. Trust God, for God loves, God graces, God mercies us, but God also builds us up. Amen? Amen. God bless you all.